0: That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City.
1: Welcome to Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin-Williams. Thank you for joining us on the First Energy Cleveland Cavaliers Radio Network. Now, here are your hosts, Tim Alcorn and Jim Jones.
2: From the Cavaliers Radio Studios at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse in downtown Cleveland, hi again, everybody. Welcome to Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin-Williams. Of course, later tonight, Cavs and Jazz on the First Energy Cavaliers radio network. So, Jim, we're going to have a couple of broadcasting folks from the Utah Jazz stop by and pay us a visit. Thurl Bailey and Ron Boone. You know these guys pretty well. Uh, yes, I do. Booney, in fact. Booney and I played against
3: each other in the ABA. Then my first year in Los Angeles, we were room, we were teammates, but Ron Boone is a special person. We've got to, Tim, Tim, we've got to get him to tell one of those
2: ABA stories. Oh, absolutely. It'll, it'll, it'll blow your mind. So Thurl Bailey and Ron Boone from the Jazz. We're also going to hear from San Antonio radio play-by-play guy, Bill Shoney. So we've got a busy show ahead. Stay with us. Caps HQ presented by Sherwin-Williams. We'll get right back to it right after this.
0: Stockton holds it up, takes it in low to Bailey, turns it the right-hand, hook shot, and scores over Kareem, right in his face. Two-point shot by Hanson, no good, the rebound is off to Bailey, throws it up and throws it in. Bailey, what a mighty player he is. Hanson, 18, a no. throws the ball to the baseline, and Bailey hits it with 12 seconds. Time out the
2: Lakers. Oh, some classic calls as Thurl Bailey now joins us here on Caps HQ, presented by Sherwin-Williams. Great to have Thurl with us in the Legends Chair. We need multiple Legends Chairs today. We've got all sorts <laughs> of guests lined up, but Thurl, that's a pretty special spot on Cavs HQ. When you settle into the Legends Chair, number one, we hope you're good and comfortable, but number two, we've had some big name guests in there, so we appreciate you joining us for this edition.
4: Well, I'm honored to be a part of that, man. I, I, I certainly know I'm a legend in my own mind, but it's good to have you guys <laughs> put me in that seat. <laughs>
2: What sort of memories come back when you hear those highlights of your
4: playing days? Oh, Some great ones. I mean, as Jim can tell you, you know, you never, even when the cheering stops, you know, it's, you're always connected to the game. And, 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 you know, the fact that you were fortunate enough to be able to make it at the highest level and play with some greats and, and, and even have that trail blazed by the guys before you, like the one you're sitting next to.
2: Yeah, oh, thank you. Well, Jim, that's the perfect lead in for you. Take it, buddy.
3: Well, you know, thorough when we talked yesterday and I asked you what was different about this team, and you said everybody had bought in, but you and I both know that it takes more than that. you got to have talent. And uh, it looks like every night you, you're winning three positions on the floor and you've got a bench player who would be a starter on most teams, and that seems to be your formula for success. Can you talk about that?
4: That's a great question, Jim, and and you're right. It does take talent, but even with talent, we know there's all kinds of talent in the NBA at different different levels and and different roles that they play. But in this league, you know, you've got to have guys buy into a system that that the coach believes in and that that the players believe in. And where the Jazz are right now just didn't happen this year. I mean, this has been Quinn Snyder has been building this over over the past several years to try to get what he pictures in his mind that would work with this team, right? You have Donovan Mitchell, who really is the clutch guy, the go-to guy, the the star player, if you will, especially on the offensive end. But then you have an anchor guy who I believe is maybe one of the biggest keys in where they are is Rudy Gobert. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, in a a day and age when the big is turning into a dinosaur, you've got a guy who's learned to be effective on both ends of the court in the system. So, yeah, you have to have stars that perform every single night, uh, but you have to have a bunch of guys who believe in a system, and maybe a system that, you know, it's kind of unorthodox in this league when you have three, two or three really big names on the team that, you know, are ball dominant most of the game.
2: Again, we're talking with Thurl Bailey as he settles into the Legends chair here on Cavs HQ, and Thurl, Jim and I were chatting before you joined us here, and For some reason, Utah really flies under the radar when you hear about the elite teams out west, and yet here they are with the best record in the NBA. But why don't they get all the attention that they
4: obviously deserve? Well, I don't think they really want to fly on the radar. They probably like it, um, but, you know, historically it's been that way with with what people call a small-market team. Um, They haven't had necessarily the – Uh, You know, the sexy style of play like a lot of teams have today, uh, like I mentioned before, with a couple of stars. I mean, Carl Carl Malone and John Stockton were probably the closest to that uh, during that era. But, um, you know, I I think it probably is in the fact that, you know, these guys are going to have to really prove that they're for real you know, to outside of Jazz Nation, meaning, you know, you got to get in that finals and, and have a chance to win a championship. And some of it is probably historically the Jazz have always, since the Malone-Stockton era, fallen short in the playoffs after one or two rounds. So, you know, they're making believers out of people, but I think in order for them to really get that respect that they really want, uh, they really have to show that they're deserving deserving to, to uh, be one of the best teams in in the league, not just now, but at the end of the day, uh, at the end of the playoffs.
3: You know, I was looking at uh, Quinn Snyder's record. What an amazing record for such a young coach. Uh, Could you give me three points that really stand out about what kind of coach Quinn is?
4: Well, I think Quinn has a really interesting mind as far as his game plan. Uh, He uses analytics. He uh, doesn't overuse them, but he understands what's important in, in the game today. The three-point shot is is a must. Mm-hmm. It really is in, to, in today's game. If you've got multiple guys who can not just get those shots, but knock them down on a regular basis, uh, that, that's that's a huge advantage that you have. Um, you know, especially when the other team is not scoring as many threes and it might be scoring twos, but the, the math works, right? Threes more than two. So I yep. think Quinn really focuses on on that philosophy but he also if you asked him uh, what the personality of his team what's their identity he would tell you that it's on the defensive end because you can't create a lot of what they get on the offensive end if you don't play really good defense and on those nights when the ball is not dropping then your defense is the great equalizer right? right i mean other teams not really scoring either so you still got a shot um, the other part about Quinn is his the communication factor he has. He has the trust of those these guys on the team. They love him. They love to play for him, and he has the ability to let those players be themselves. You, know, you mentioned Jordan Clarkson a little while ago. You know, Jordan is a scorer, right? He he can score in different ways. So, you know, coach gives him enough of that green light to say you got to play D. But you got to you can you can be yourself in the context of what we do, and we're going to give you space to do that, and your teammates are going to support it. So, you know, it's it's really fun to watch these guys play for him and play for each other. And guys like Joe Ingles, who's been around um, this team a while, is is one of those guys who's effective within that system as well
2: before we take the break, I want to get one more in here. We talked about Utah flying under the radar, not really getting the recognition they deserve as a team. Is there a player that really represents that on the Jazz? When you look at the roster, you go, man, more people should be talking about
4: this guy. Who would that guy be? I'd have to say Rudy Gobert. You know, and it's no secret that, you know, some of the, the pundits, some of the national broadcasters, Shaq in particular, um, kind of see themselves as they played and try to kind of reflect that on to today's big. Rudy doesn't have any post-up calls called for him like Shaq did. Rudy doesn't have the power in the paint to do a lot of what Shaq does, but Rudy has some other things, and I think a lot of things that Rudy does, that they don't show up on the stat sheet. You know, talk about screen assist. He's one of the best in the league. Um, you talk about an, uh, an offense that's really built around um a lot of really good shooters but really finds his way within that to be effective whether it's a lob play or um you know driving to the basket or getting it around the post so i i think what he really gives in this day and age in basketball is so underrated that and it's not as sexy maybe as you know back in the day when when bigs were dominating and, and scoring and scoring and in similar ways. So, uh, he's earning it though. I mean, I think he's truly becoming that guy who all he needs is that little edge to prove that, you know, he's not going anywhere and he's going to be effective in this game. And, and I still think defense in you know, a, in a long series is going to win championships and he's going to be, uh, he's going to be highlighted in that type of play
2: great answer and great prep information for Jim and I for the game tonight between the Cavs and the Jazz (laughs) all right we're going to take a quick time out boy this is fascinating as Thurl Bailey joins us in the legends chair we'll hear more from Thurl after this on Cavs HQ presented by Sherwin-Williams
1: Cavs HQ is brought to you by Sherwin-Williams, the official paint and coatings partner of the Cleveland Cavaliers, and by Huntington. If you need guidance on your money right now, talk to Huntington. Welcome. Cavs
2: HQ presented by Sherwin-Williams, Tim Elcorn, along with Jim Jones. The guys on the other side of the window, we've got to give them credit. Marty Allen, along with Kurt McLaughlin, Leo Simone, and our guest in the Legends chair, is Thurl Bailey, of course, Thurl with the Utah Jazz, now on the broadcasting side, but certainly had a terrific NBA career and uh, knows Jim Jones very well. Now, uh, Jim, you take it from here. How did this relationship between you and Thurl Bailey evolve? Thurl, I
3: remember in my waning years, I think I tried to block your little patented baseline jump shot. And when you finally unwound, it was like Will Chamberlain shooting on Muggsy Bogues. <laughs> because people don't realize, and this is something, you know, you know Thurl is a very humble person, and, uh, and uh, he won't say it, but if you really think about how the game has changed, uh, you know, uh, Thurl was one of the first big guys. He and Bob Lanier and Bob is older the both of us, but they were the first bigs. Uh, that could step outside and shoot a jump shot like a layup. Thurl was, was very good at end but Thurl was better than me because he could make them under pressure. But Thurl, I want to go back to growing up in D.C. to give our, give our fans an idea of what kind of man you are. Uh, give us a little talk about growing up just outside D.C. in some very, very rough conditions and to where you are now where you, where you were the recipient of the NBA Walter Kennedy Community Award. It just shows your growth as a person. Could you talk about that a little bit?
4: Oh, well, thanks, Jim. First of all, you're you're, you're too kind. Um, I, I I followed you uh, because I was really into you know guys who who played before me, who they were, and and where they came from, as far as their lives and and where they went to school. And you should know that my
3: yeah, son, son is playing <laughs> a
4: professional overseas right now, played at Marquette yeah, yes, for a couple did. of years. Yeah. So I appreciate that. But, you know, growing up, I, my story isn't unlike a lot of stories uh, over the years where, you know, you grow up in a difficult area. I grew up in Prince George's County, Maryland. and You know, people look that up. There are a lot of NBA players that were produced out of that county. Um, and so I wasn't uh, – I didn't really start playing until late high school. I got cut in junior high twice at six five and six seven, uh, mainly because I couldn't play. I was just starting in the game, and but I, I saw Dr. J play, and it kind of gave me the gave me the passion for wanting to be like him and 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 play the game as well. So that's what kind of got me started. My parents—I was fortunate enough to have both parents at home, where a lot of kids did didn't, and we were you know, we were shielded and educated from a lot of the stuff that was going on. Uh, You know, it was, was, I was born in the 60s and, you know, the civil rights movement was alive and well then. And so we were educated by our parents as to what was going on and how we were supposed to act and react to everything. So I grew up uh, with those lessons and, and, you know, and used them in in different situations that could have gone terribly wrong the other way. And my, my path could have been, a lot different but the bottom line is after I got cut um, a new coach came in and I made the team that my last year of junior high he kept me I still wasn't a good player but he looked at me and he changed my life when he told me that he saw potential in me said, I see potential in you of what you can be and if you're willing to commit so I committed and you know the rest is kind of history I got a scholarship to NC State uh, from Norm Sloan with the head coach he left after my freshman year and then they recruited some Italian guy to come in. We didn't know,
2: him. <laughs>
3: you know We we didn't, we
4: didn't know him we didn't trust him and so uh, he had to sell us on a dream uh, of his to win a national championship yeah. and he sold us all on it. It took a couple of years, but uh, Jim Balvano and yeah, and that 83 team at NC State I was on ended up winning the national championship in a most uh, miraculous way uh, in 1983 and uh, you know it's it's always good to be a part of that especially during this time of the year but yeah I mean I my uh, I've been blessed I've been blessed to be able to have that journey and and be able to raise my kids and hopefully uh, get them to understand how important it is how important your past is as well.
2: Boy thoroughly you must have been looking over my shoulder at my notes NC State the unbelievable championship year under Jim Valvano. And, of course, here we are in the midst of March Madness. Does that always tend for you to root for that Cinderella team, the underdog team, knowing how you were such a remarkable part of history with that NC State Wolfpack team? Oh,
4: no question. No question. It's And, and sorry for the the selfless... Um, add here but i just i just finished a book called team of destiny oh, okay. and it's about that 83 championship team and 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 how people what people can draw from that basically saying you know what anybody if, if you really believe i mean of course like jim says you, you have to have talent but it's not always the best talent across the board that wins right it's the guys who are dedicated to each other that understand what it takes to win um you know, how to be there for each other and a coach with a vision. Uh, so I do, I root for those guys. I root for the teams that the, you know, the the 12 seeds that knock off the one and two seeds because I've been there. And okay, um, awesome. anybody can win this thing. And it's, it's, it's a matter of really believing in yourself. You got to go out and play the game, but there's so many other things around that, that makes, makes, makes a champion. And, uh, I have a collection of stories in my, in my book from the team firsthand on how we, we were able to kind of come together and, and really shock the world. But that's, that's what that one shining moment, it's all about, right? It's, it's sometimes it's the, the team that no one really expects to do anything. And, uh, and they just play like there's nothing to lose and end up in the, in the finals.
2: Well, put me on the list of somebody who would love a copy of that book. And I've got one quick got question. It. We've all seen Jimmy V running around, running around. Who was he looking
4: for to hug? He just kept
2: running around the floor. <laughs>
3: well, the, the, the,
4: the story is after every win during that, that run, he would meet Derek Wittenberg in a certain spot. You know, he was Derek was the two guard on, on our team, the shooting guard. And Derek would always be there if we won the game and coach would run out and Derek would grab him and pick him up. On that championship game, after that basket went in by Lorenzo Charles, um, coach ran out there and Derek wasn't there. So he just kept running around and everybody was hugging somebody. So he just kind of threw himself on a pile of people cheering, and uh, that that scene is is obviously etched in the minds, along with Lorenzo Charles's dunk at the end of the game with Jimmy V running around looking for somebody to hug. (laughs) And it'll always be a great memory.
2: Oh, you're right. It's a visual that's just seared in any basketball fan's mind. Jimmy just running and running going, I got to hug somebody here. (laughs) (laughs) And, of course, that run by NC State, one of the greatest, if not the greatest, college basketball story. It's just awesome.
3: I want to say one thing about Thurl Bailey. Uh, and, And, Thurl, I know you won't because you're such a humble and a religious person. But Thoreau, you are the best Legends Chair guest we've ever had. The insight. Oh, thank you, man. The insight, your ability to communicate, your dialogue, your whole narrative voice is so comforting. And it is so real that you've really taken our show to a next level. But I just want to end on this, and I'll let Tim uh, finish his business, is that. You are one of the well, most well kept secrets in our league, and we appreciate you. I am so proud of you. Then, just by the way you carry yourself, I know you've got your own manufacturing company, you've got a film company, you do public speaking, uh, you do acting, you're a singer, you're a songwriter. You know, you do all of those things. You're just a renaissance man, and more of our young people need to hear your voice. Hopefully, next season, when we have our all star game, you have an invitation to come and you and I will definitely stay in touch. I would love for you to talk to our young women and our young men on the same level that you're talking today. You are a true inspiration to our league and thank you very much.
4: Well, I'd be honored to do that. and I, I thank you guys for for thinking of me when you talk about that legend seat. I, I know you don't take that lightly, so I appreciate it and, and I'm, I'm blessed to to have this 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 mantle, this platform like we all do to use in, in good ways. We Lord knows we need it today. So uh I'm at your service. Thank you guys for what you do.
2: Uh, that was great. And again, Thurl, we appreciate you being on and uh Jim I'm thrilled that you were able to get those words in at the end and I echo that as well. What a great guest. Yep. What a great guest. Thurl we appreciate it. We're gonna take a quick time out. There's more to come on Cavs HQ presented by Sherwin Williams so stay with us. As the Cavs strive to be champions both on the court and in the community, we're proud to support local nonprofit organizations through our weekly 50 50 raffles presented by Oswald. This week's raffle will benefit the Cavaliers Community Foundation for complete 50-50 raffle details. And to purchase your 50-50 raffle ticket, visit Cavs.com raffle. Thank you, Cavs fans, for being the diff in our community. Cavs in the Community is brought to you by Discount Drug Mart. We'll be right back with more Cavs HQ presented by Sherwin-Williams. Welcome back to Cavs HQ. It's presented by Sherwin Williams, Tim Elcorn, Jim Jones. And yes, another legend settles into our legends chair on Cavs HQ. Now he isn't a former player legend, but he's a legend as far as NBA broadcasters are concerned. He's the radio voice of the San Antonio Spurs. Bill Shoney now joins us. In his 20th year calling Spurs basketball, you talk about a guy that has seen some unbelievable basketball over the years. And we're going to talk to Bill about the Spurs and a few other topics as well as he settles into the Legends chair on Cavs HQ. Bill, it is great to have you on the show.
0: Well, thanks very much. I don't know about that legend part, but uh, I'll take it, I guess. But uh, it, it's been a fun run. And you're right. I, I, I've i seen some pretty good basketball through the years Uh I've got somewhere in my drawer four championship rings, you know, right next to Forks and the Spoons, I guess. But
2: uh,
0: (laughs) we've had had a good time. We've had a good run. And um, it's, it's been a blessing, believe me.
2: Well, we wanted to have you on this week because March is winding down, National Women's Month and so forth. And, boy, you had an opportunity to witness and call and historic moment in the NBA earlier this season when Becky Hammond, assistant coach for the Spurs, uh, took over the reins when Pop got thrown out. Uh, As play-by-play guys, and you've been at this much longer than me, we're supposed to stay in the moment, but did you realize at that point how special a moment it was for Becky Hammond to now be the first female coach in any sport to be the head coach? To
0: be very honest with you, Tim, no, because the Spurs have done such a good job of kind of downplaying the whole thing. Uh, Not that they don't realize the significance of Becky, uh, you know, reaching that moment. Uh, But I think at some point, Becky's going to be a full-time head coach in the NBA. I really do believe that. So uh, she's got bigger and brighter things ahead, whether it's with the Spurs or another organization. So I guess I kind of downplayed that moment because Becky's an assistant coach. Uh, Becky's not a female assistant coach. Right. She's just the assistant coach, and the players will tell you the same thing. You know, when Becky gives them instructions on when to run pick and roll or whatever the situation might be, uh, they listen to her. They don't look at her as an assistant coach, uh, uh, other than the fact that you know she, she's the one with the whistle at the time of practice or whatever. So uh, I think that that's one of the things that you know, maybe we can strive for is that not uh, not having to label you know people as, as black or female or Hispanic. It's just, just folks that do the job, you know what I mean?
2: Oh, great point. Jim?
3: You know, Pop and I, uh, we're about the same age. We played in Pan Am games together. But back then, heck, they took you for four and a half months. So I know a little bit about Pop. Pop at the time was in the military. So so he <laughs> didn't hang out with us. He didn't drink. He didn't swear. But, man, when he got out on the court, he was whooping your ass. I mean, he was an aggressive team-oriented player. So what I'm getting to is that the San Antonio Spurs have set the standard for our league in style of play, in the class of their management, in the class of their players, and of course in their coaching. And here you're breaking new ground with Becky Hammond. What is the atmosphere and the climate in San Antonio, knowing that Becky is there and she's a female, of course, and and that deserves recognition. But as you say, she's a coach and that definitely means more.
0: Yeah, absolutely. She started traveling with us, I, I think, right around the fourteen, fifteen season, maybe five or six years ago, and uh, she had an injury. She was an outstanding point guard. In fact, her number is retired in San Antonio. She played for what was called the San Antonio Silver Stars. They're no longer there. They moved to Las Vegas. Uh, but she was an outstanding player uh, who really got the most out of her abilities. And she was uh, going through an injury, so she wanted to get into coaching. And you know, right there in her own building is Greg Popovich, so she asked Pop if she could kind of tag along a little bit, maybe attend a few practices, and he invited her to come along for the whole season. So uh, she picked up a lot of things there, and then she decided to retire, and Pop brought her on. And it wasn't because he wanted to make news or have a novelty or anything like that. He just wanted yeah. to kind of pick her brain because she's got a good basketball IQ, and that is the whole key to this uh, development for her and for any coach, uh, you know, to have the opportunity, whether you're male or female or you know, whatever, you you know, background you come from, is you have the opportunity. And and, uh, he gave her the opportunity, and she's run with it. And now she's uh, the top assistant, and obviously she's uh, done such a good job that she's interviewed for a few head coaching jobs. And as I said at the top of the show, guys, I really do believe that she's going to have an opportunity uh, to be a head coach in the NBA.
2: Bill, we've got the Jazz tonight the Cavs. We've got the Spurs next Monday night, a week from tonight. So we're seeing these Western Conference teams – how do you look at the West right now as it stands?
0: Well, first of all, I think the Jazz, you know, they're doing a great job, obviously. But uh, I've known Quinn Snyder for a long time. And it really doesn't surprise me that he's got Utah playing so well uh, because uh, there's a culture there. And they put part of the Spurs culture in place there because they've got some front office people that also have uh, some background in San Antonio. And I'm not giving the Spurs credit for the Jazz success. I'm just saying that part of what they do is kind of based on what the Spurs have done. And uh, so I look at Utah, actually, guys, uh, as one of the teams to beat. Obviously, when the Lakers are full strength with Anthony Davis, now with Drummond and LeBron, um, they're going to be tough to beat when they're full strength, but they're not full strength right now. Uh, And Utah's rolling. So um, I I really think that it's going to be tough to get Utah out of there. I think that they're going to be a really tough playoff team. They play good defense, obviously. They've got a lot of different – uh, parts of their game uh, that uh, will work in the playoffs, um, obviously with Donovan Mitchell, and they've got good outside shooting, uh, a little bit of everything there. So um, uh, I would I would look for uh, Utah and maybe the Lakers to be in the conference finals. But again, there's a caveat there with the Lakers, and that is health. Uh, and Phoenix, I think Monty Williams done a marvelous job with the Phoenix Suns. Another guy's got a Spurs background, uh, but you know Monty's done such a marvelous job, and obviously having the addition of Chris Paul has made them a good team. And you got the Clippers with all the talent they've got. They've made some changes now. Um, I don't know that they're going to be up there in the end. Uh, I wouldn't pick them right now to be in the conference finals. But uh, depending on how everything shakes out as far as the seating is concerned, uh, I think Utah and Lakers are the two best teams in the West.
2: Again, we're talking with Bill Schoening. He's the radio voice of the San Antonio Spurs, now in his 20th year with San Antonio Bill, it's interesting you bring up backgrounds, because I'm going to veer off course here a little bit. You, along with my broadcast partner, Jim Jones, have strong musical backgrounds. Now, tell us about your involvement with music, and then, Jim, you can chime in.
0: Well, I grew up in Philadelphia, and as Jim can tell you, that's a big city when it comes to R&B and soul. So I grew up listening to Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes and the Stylistics and and bands like that, Philly International Records. Uh, so uh, that's my background. I grew up on on that kind of music, and Bruce Springsteen, uh, who's a very soulful dude uh, from New Jersey, about an hour away in Asbury Park. Uh, I, I kind of when I got to high school, I started listening to him before he was a big star. Uh, so uh, that kind of music, that R and B and rock and roll blend, yep. uh, really influenced me. Now it's it's funny because now I write music, and a lot of the songs I write, some of them are kind of R and B flavored, but most of them are kind of acoustic pop uh, Americana, almost if you will. Because I've spent so much time in Texas, um, some of that country folk influences have kind of gotten into me as well. So I love all kinds of music, uh, but I've always been a fan of music. About 20 years ago, I picked up a guitar and started, uh, you know, strumming a little bit and writing some melodies. uh, And I've always written lyrics. So um, I've probably written 25 songs now. So um but they're they're all million of my cellar i got a million of my sellers, so they're um they're, they're not real big sellers but it's just a hobby more than anything else more than a side career it's just it's just something to do during the off season and if i get a chance to go in the studio with some friends of mine and um you know figure out uh, a, a tune or two we'd like to do that i've got some friends with studios and anyway so it's just a side thing for me i uh, i love music and i uh, love singing uh, i sing in the, in the praise band at church when i can um, as you guys know, our schedule is so crazy right now. Um, I don't get a chance to to sing on Sundays the way I used to uh, because we've got to rehearse on Tuesday and sing on Sunday. and our worship leader, his whole thing is are uh, you got to rehearse on Tuesday to sing on Sunday. Well, coming up with a Tuesday and a Sunday off during the course of this crazy season has been just about impossible. so but uh, but I, I love music I mentioned gospel, I mentioned uh, you know church music, so uh, that that's part of it too. but um, yeah, it's been a lot of fun to kind of you know, explore the musical end
2: of things. Well, you mentioned wow. your Philly background, and of course, one of Philadelphia's yeah, yeah. all-time greats was Smokin' Joe Frazier, and you actually penned this on Smokin' Joe. Here comes Smokin' Joe. Left Hooks he is throwing. Lining up the ranks to the title, he is going. Oh, a little tune about Smokin' Joe. Oh my Joe. goodness. <laughs> Jimmy Jones, how do you like that one?
3: Hey, I can't top that. Wow. Hey, I love the groove.
2: Oh, my goodness.
3: Hey,
0: Jim, you'll like this. We decided when, I wanted this to be kind of a funky 70s type song because that's when Joe yes. was in his prime, late 60s, early 70s. And uh, I wanted to get that kind of funky clavichord organ in there. And my you producer, Nick Wilberg, is such a good he's a really good producer, and he got exactly what I was doing. And um, we brought in a, a guy named Fletch Wiley to do the horns. Fletch is a three-time Grammy winner who used to play with the gospel singer Andre Crouch, and he's a ringer. I brought in a ringer, and I thought this guy's going to cost a bunch of money to bring a guy like that in the studio, and I said, you know, Fletch, do you like this tune? Would you like to maybe arrange the horns on it? And he goes, yeah, but it's going to cost you. I said, oh, man, I don't have a big budget for this. And he goes, I want two burritos. I want a couple of burritos.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Well, of course – Now, this year, the 50th anniversary of Ali Frazier won. Hard to believe the fight of the century, March of 71, in Madison Square Garden. I wasn't even eight years old, but I remember (laughs) that night so very, very well and listening to the radio because they were only allowed to give updates after each round. And man, that was unbelievable. Now, the announcing crew, the announcing crew on that fight was Don Dunphy. Bert Lancaster and Archie Moore. That was the wow. announcing crew. Bill, have yeah. you ever and done Fra- boxing? I think
0: Frank Sinatra was a courtside uh, photographer. photographer. Yeah. Right.
2: Have you ever done boxing, Bill?
0: No. I, it's it's funny. I, I was um, early in my career. I was a ring announcer for the Golden Gloves, <laughs> and I loved it. I, it was so much fun, you know, to, to introduce a guy in, in this corner. He's wearing the blue trunks <laughs> with the white stripes. Wow! We had a lot of fun with that. All I needed was one of those hanging uh, microphones, you know, from the top of the arena. I didn't have one.
3: So I would
0: literally put my arm up way high above my head and hang the microphone above my head just so I could do
3: it that way. All
2: right, now I'm going to play you a boxing play-by-play or blow-by-blow, I guess. Bill, you're going to tell me who it is. You ready? Yes. All right, here we go.
0: Tucker now is on the advantage, puts toes up against the rope, shoots the left and To the right, that hurts. Cole really stuck him with the right. Tucker back on his heel. Cole moving in, left, right, left, right, up against the rope. Cole trying to put him away, couldn't do it. Tucker got away back out in the middle. But Cole really had him hurt. One minute to go
2: in round two. Bill, who is that voice? Wow, Jimmy Lennon. No, no, Joe Tate. Joe Tate. Joe Tate. The Joe late Tate. great Joe Tate. Yeah, uh, can I tell Joe you did boxing. Did you yeah, McQuinn? sure. Go ahead. Okay.
0: Uh, during the '07 finals, when the Spurs played the Cavs, uh, Sam Amico. I guess is he still writing in the Cleveland area? Yeah,
2: Sam Amico. Yes,
0: Amico. Oh. Okay, I beg your pardon, Amico. Uh, so anyway, Sam uh, compared. He heard me, I guess, for the first time, and, and and liked my work and called me a young Joe Tate, which I thought oh, was a, a very high compliment. So when I relayed that information to Joe. And today, hey, I got a great compliment the other day. Uh, this writer, Sam Avico, called me a young Joe Tate. And he looked at me in typical Joe Tate fashion and very wryly looked at me and said, well, that's a hell of a lot better than being an old Joe
2: Tate.
1: <laughs> oh, that's
2: vintage Joe. That's great. But, yeah, that boxing was when he started out in his 20s in a small market station, and they had fights in the uh, in the Eagles Club or wherever every Friday night, and so he went and called fights for the uh, local radio station.
0: Well, what a talented guy. He was good at that, too. Yes, he was.
2: <laughs> hey, Bill, this has been a blast. we got to do this again again this has been a lot of fun and unfortunately we don't see each other this season but uh, you and I are real good friends on social media so we'll keep in contact that way but we thank you so much this has been thank a you, lot Bill. of fun well
0: Thanks, hey Bill. next time i'd like to hear jim chomes uh, you know jim Jones, just to kind of chime in for a minute tim you know because i, I didn't get to hear about jim's musical career
3: oh well well look at i started listening i was a guy that played the bass and that was started about six, maybe seven years ago. And I would play anytime, mostly on Saturdays and Sundays. But let me tell you what happened. Because of this quarantine and protocols, Jim Jones turned into a musician. I learned music wow. theory, I learned my fretboard, I can read music. I haven't started writing yet because I've just fallen in love with with, uh, with with all the Latin music, the blues and the jazz and reading it and then playing it and seeing what this guitar, bass guitar can do. And right now I'm getting ready to form a band. But what I will do, and I promise you this, if we come out to San Antonio a day early, I will bring my acoustic bass and then you've got to find me a place where either we can go play together or you can there get you your go. band together and we can have some fun. Right, and when you form that
0: band, of course, one of the songs you want to do is Here Comes Smoke and
3: Joe, right, Jim? (laughs) Yes, oh, no question about it. That'll be the first tune we'll play, some funk. You know we're going to play that. (laughs) It's been great to be with you guys.
2: Thanks, Thanks, Bill. We appreciate it. (laughs) That was awesome. (laughs) Bill Shoning, radio play-by-play voice of the San Antonio Spurs. More on Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwood Williams, right after this. Cavs HQ presented by Sherwin-Williams, Tim Elkhorn, along with Jim Jones. Cavs and Jazz tonight to close out a four-game West Coast road swing for the Cavaliers. And we've been talking jazz basketball on Cavs HQ. As earlier, we had Thurl Bailey join us. And now Ron Boone stops by and takes a seat in our Legends chair. So, Ron Boone, we welcome you to Cavs HQ. And we were chatting a little bit before we came back out on the air. Here, things are going extraordinarily well for the Utah Jazz this season. Boy, what has been the key to this team's role so far in the campaign?
5: Well, if you look at the overall scheme of, of what the J- Jazz do well, um, and that shoots the basketball. I mean, they have a number of players uh, that are very good from the three from the three-point line. That's the way this team was built, and if you go back. Guys, to last year, the Jazz were a very good team last year, and I think Quinn started to figure out how to play this game with the players that he had last season, and that is shooting the three-point shot. And, and now that they, that Conley is, um, if is, you want to put it in, in better terms. I mean, he's he's accustomed to this system, and he's and sometimes he has to play without the basketball. That he, he's he's playing well, and and the fact that. They like to shoot the three-point shot, and Quinn doesn't care when the shot is taken as long as you get them up. 43 a game. That's quite a few three. Wow.
3: The other thing is, uh, uh, talking about Conley. Conley was fundamentally a traditional small guard that could score who pounded the ball a lot. When When I've watched you in the last three games, you're all over it. You know, there's a lot more ball movement. Uh, there's a lot of spaces and gaps for guys like Mitchell and some of the other young kids to get to the rim. Mm -hmm. I just think uh, I pick you guys. If Los Angeles, even when LeBron comes back with Anthony Davis, I don't think they'll have enough time to develop the continuity that you and I both know you need to have before you go into the playoffs. I'm picking you guys in the West because I love your balance on both sides of the ball.
5: Well, I think we're hoping that. I'm sure the coaching staff is hoping that as well and hope this continue, This team continues to get better. Quinn just always talks about getting better from the last game you played and doing something better. The big thing, Jim, and you know as well as I know, is, is you know is that when you can make adjustments from one game to another, and now the Jazz have the best record in the NBA, you you got a target on your back. Everybody's trying to figure out how to beat you. I mean, what do you take away in order to uh, to beat the Utah Jazz? Obviously, they shoot three point shots. You want to take away the three? How do you do that? Now Quinn has an a, a assistant there to play. Rudy all of a sudden becomes a scorer. And it just, it's just everything just seems to have fallen into place here for the Jazz uh, all, all season long. And, and boy, I'd love to be back in the championship. 1996, 97 gym 97 98 that was the last time the jazz was in the nba finals we lose to the chicago bulls i'd like to get there again if possible you
2: know well ron i was just going to say right now the jazz have the best record in the nba i'll put you on the spot here a little bit do you think the jazz are the best team in the nba right now
5: that's on paper no on paper no but the best team is a great way of putting it because that's the Jazz are the best team, and they're playing uh, better than anyone else. Go back to last year, guys. Um, how good do you think the Jazz? This is a question for you guys. But how good were the Jazz last year?
3: I thought they, I, th- I thought they were really good until the, you know, the virus hit. I thought they were really good.
2: Yeah, I would agree with Tim Um, on that. I thought they were very good.
5: And and I I, I totally agree with that. And so, right now, you just mentioned the best team and the the team that's probably playing the best in the NBA right now. The Jazz last year going into tonight's game is 34 and 11. And last year at this time, the Jazz were 32 and 13. So, they're two games better than they were last year. Uh, So, that, that just shows some consistency. And where is the rest of the league?
3: Yeah. Because rest the Jazz the is are just yeah. as consistent
5: this year as they were last
3: year. So where is the rest of the league? Yeah. Yeah, right. Right. I, look, I hope it works out for you. I just think what happened in Milwaukee, you can't use it as an example. You know, the best record the last right. two years, and they and they can barely win. And well, they struggle when they come to the playoffs. Yeah. But we, we as former players know why they struggle, but we're not going to criticize players. But the other thing is that, is that there's something about Quinn Schneider because them, you guys, and the Denver Nuggets play the best team basketball as far as sharing the Absolutely. ball that I've seen in a while. Talk a little bit about Quinn's philosophy. Get, get a little bit deeper into that.
5: Okay. Uh, Quinn's philosophy, they, they, uh, I'm going to say we, but I'm, I'm just speaking as far as the Jazz are concerned. Uh, they want to play fast uh, they want to push the ball up the floor they want to move the basketball and the key to that is getting the defense to scramble which means they're all they're constantly trying to close out close out close out Glenn does not want them to pass up any three uh, the key there is when you when you, you play like that you want to get quality three which means if you don't move the basketball you're not going to get it Uh, So that's basically what his philosophy is this year. He feels that he has enough shooters that everybody's not going to have a bad night. Perfect example is uh, Boyan and Jordan Clarkson struggle from the three-point line for about three games in a row. But Joe Engels catch fire. Mitchell catches fire. Conley catches fire. And so it makes up for those guys that, that that are struggling. So all of those shooters that the Jazz are putting out on the floor, and then the style of play, you know, everybody's not going to have a bad shooting night. Now you take away that three-point shot, which Perkins, you know, we played the Memphis Grizzlies the other night, and and the Jazz just blew Memphis off the floor in that first half, and then the second half, Memphis just started running. I mean, they were fast. They were beating the Jazz down the floor, beating Rudy down the floor. So they caught up because of that. And uh, the next night, which would have been Friday night, Saturday night rather, the Jazz were ready for it. I mean, the adjustment they made and, and, you know, end up blowing them off the floor. But the, the key there is that when you take away one thing, you know, you're going to run into another. And, uh, and if you ever see Rudy having a big night, 20 points, 23 points somewhere in there, uh, 15, 16 rebounds, then you know that the opponents focused on taking away the three-point shot of the Jazz, and they can't take away the role and, and Rudy at the rim. Let me throw something else at you then, because Jordan Clarkson, and you know Jim from watching him over the years, Quinn has just let him go. He, yes. he plays, and his head is down, he's dribbling, he's finding a way to, to score, he's dragging to the basket. He's taking wild three-point shots. Quinn does not care, and Jordan is probably having the best career of his life. Now he was in Cleveland. Did you guys let him play like that?
3: Uh, at times, but at times they didn't. They wouldn't. It was yeah. a little bit different. Yeah, a lot he, different. He, thing.
5: he has the green light to play that way here, and it's really uh, helping and and helping his game and and helping the Jazz win.
2: So Ron, we got a couple minutes left. I want to ask you real quick. I was so excited when Jim said he's got Ron Boone lined up because one of my all-time <laughs> favorite books is Loose Balls by Terry oh, my Pluto. <laughs> the story of the ABA. It's one of the greatest books ever. You're an ABA guy. You've got to have a story. I'm going to have to limit it to one. Maybe next time you're on, we'll get another one. But what's your best ABA story? Because I know your name was brought up a lot in Loose Balls. To- Terry Pluto, right? Yes.
5: He was the author of that book. I have a story that I, <laughs> you know, ABA was considered to be a wild league, you know, that kind of thing. But I have one story that when the leagues merged, and uh, the Utah Stars were not taken into the dispersal draft and all, I mean, into the dispersing of, to the NBA. Uh, they sent me at Moses Malone to St. Louis. And so we went to St. Louis and we played with Freddie Lewis, uh, Maurice Lucas, Don Cheney, and Marvin Barnes.
2: Bad news, Barnes! <laughs> Marvin Bad
5: Barnes! Bad news, Barnes! <laughs> Uh, and I was just blown away how good and talented this guy was, and, and but how much of a street person he was there as well. And uh, you know, coming from a very controlled environment as far as teams are concerned, I remember and I'm going to make this short. We uh, just getting ready to play a ball game, and Marvin was always late, you know. And we were getting ready to play a ball game. Um, and we were in the huddle. You know how you get together. Okay, let's go. You huddle one, two, three. Let's go. And we're getting ready to walk onto the floor. And Marvin wasn't there yet. And and the door opens. And he says, "The news is here." <laughs> he goes over, takes his big hat off. You know, and puts it and takes his gun out and puts it up in the locker. What? I said, oh my goodness. <laughs> <You know? laughs> we go out and warm up. We warm him up. He's doing layups and he walks out on the floor and we're playing the ball game. He goes for 30 and 20 and <laughs> then goes home.
2: <laughs> no warm up <for> anything. <laughs> Marvin Barnes, man, he was an unbelievable but this, but this talent. Here. Yep. Out of Providence College. <laughs> That was good yeah, stuff. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, awesome book, Loose Balls by Terry Pluto. All right, hey Ronnie, yeah. we gotta let you go. We all have games to get ready for tonight, or the game, the Jazz and the Cavs. So uh, you have a great call on your end, Jim, and I thank will you, check, do our best on our end. All
5: right, thank you. Don't Thanks, Ronnie. To show awesome uh, what I said. I better not get anywhere near a golf course.
3: And Booney, right. check and Boone, check your check your text. I just text for your address.
2: Okay, thank you. <laughs> okay,
3: all right, got you. Okay.
2: All right, we'll Take put a, the finishing touches on Cavs HQ presented by Sherwin Williams right after this. So that's going to do it for this week's edition of Cavs HQ presented by Sherwin Williams. How about the guests tonight? Huge thank you goes out to Thurl Bailey. Bill Schoening and Ronnie Boone. Of course, thanks to the other side of the window, guys. Marty Allen, Kurt McLaughlin, Leo Simone. Huge thank you goes out to Jim Jones as well. Cavs and Jazz on this Monday night coming up shortly. So we'll talk to you then as we bring you Cleveland Cavaliers basketball along the First Energy Cavaliers radio network.
1: Cavs HQ was brought to you by Sherwin-Williams the official paint and coatings partner of the Cleveland Cavaliers. And by Huntington, if you need guidance on your money right now, talk to Huntington. Welcome.